Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the Mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, The Man from Damascus. Damascus, capital of Syria. Population, 300,000 or so. They say it's the oldest city in the world that people still live in. Uh, I wouldn't know. But I do know there's a street in Damascus named the street called Straight. And I also know I once met a man from Damascus. And he was as twisted as they come. But back to a hot Wednesday afternoon. Chris was at the bar serving up some arak... I was standing at the front of the cafe looking out into the Cairo streets. That's when an old man dressed in a boy's postal uniform and riding a bicycle stopped in front of the tambourine. When he came in, he was carrying a wet envelope in his hand. I offer the Mr. Jordan one special delivery letter. Would the Mr. Jordan sign his name on this line? The Mr. Jordan would? Thank the Mr. Jordan. Yeah. Here you are, Pop. Buy yourself an ice cube. Muta Shakir. Muta Shakir, then. It was a white envelope with some dirty finger smudges and a Cairo postmark. There was no return address. I looked at it for a moment, then tore it open. The first thing I saw, flat and crisp, was a pack of Egyptian pound notes. And I did a quick tabulation. One... Well, we left the tambourine, climbed into his car, and drove through the Cairo streets, out one of the city gates. We ended up in front of a place called the House of Sand. It should have been called a pile of scrap, because that's what it looked like. But the knife man said it was a hotel. Two minutes later, my pal knocked on the door of room 12. Who is there? Jordan. He's come for the rest of the dough. You're taking a lot for granted, Buster. Quiet, you. All right, you may let him come in. Go on in, Jordan, and meet your new boss. I walked inside. My pal with a knife shut the door behind me and stayed outside. Then I saw him. A man from Damascus. He was tall and big, but I couldn't tell what he looked like. His whole face was wrapped in bandages... He reminded me of those pictures I once saw of the Invisible Man. Hello, Mr. Jordan. Nice of you to come. Sit down. Uh, I'll take it standing. Well, it's good to meet again. Is it not, Mr. Jordan? Again? You do not remember? But you should. Damascus, 1939. Well, maybe it's my new appearance. I had a face then. What do you got now? Let's talk about Damascus. All right. You wish a drink? No, I just gave it up. Mr. Jordan, you wronged me in Damascus. I did? Yes, you wronged me most severely. So severely that I've never forgotten. And I said to myself that someday I would come for you. Well, I am here. Welcome to Cairo. Jordan, I'm not just talking for pleasure. You sure you got the right guy? And do not try to tell me you do not remember. You are the right man, and you know it. But you are fortunate, Mr. Jordan. Yeah, how's that figure? 
I'm going to give you a chance to erase our difference and make a little money besides. You see, there's someone in Cairo that I want even more than you. So how do I figure? You are going to bring him to me. His name is Alex Zarko. Zarko? It's a pretty big order. I know, but I think you can do it. The police have had a dragnet out for two weeks trying to track him down. And I want to get to him before they do. I think you can bring him to me. You know Cairo better than any man I know of. You know where men like Zarko would hide and how to get to him. Ah, oh, sorry, friend, you've got the wrong guy. Jordan, listen to me. I would find him myself if I could. I just do not know Cairo. And I cannot go wandering around like this. I'm giving you a chance to square a dirty deal and make a little money on the side. I will double that thousand pounds and call off our little difference. Uh, what have you got against Zarko? He took something from me. What? My face. Oh. I want to find him, Jordan. I must. Do not know what it is to feel that you can never walk the streets again without a covering and the thing you once called a face. Well, what about it, Mr. Jordan? No, no deal. You got a private vendetta with Zarko. Keep it that way. Yeah, there's your thousand pounds back. Buy yourself another boy. I walked out of the house of sand, and the knife man was gone found a taxi and headed back for the tambourine. Alec Zarko. Yeah, an all-around no-good guy. The Egyptian police wanted him on an attempted assassination, espionage work, with an assorted killing or two thrown in. The police had all the roads covered, the trains and the flights out of the city. They figured they had him bottled up pretty well. It was just a matter of time before they bundled him. Well, back at the tambourine, I drew myself a beer, found a back table and did some thinking about the man and the bandages in the city of Damascus. What's up, Ralph? Hmm? Oh, nothing, Chris. Just thinking. Say, uh, did you ever hear me talk about Damascus? Damascus? Yeah. Spent nine months there once working for an oil company. No, I don't remember you saying anything about it. Why? Oh, nothing. Just trying to bring back a little memory. Drop it. It doesn't matter. Sure, I'll get back to... Excuse me, gentlemen. You are Mr. Jordan? That's right. May I talk with you, please? It will take but a moment. Uh, All right, Chris. I'll talk to you later. Sure, Rocky. Sit down. Thank you, Mr. Jordan. I did not wish to trouble you, but I found that I had no other course. My name is Sandra Marr, and I'm from Damascus in Syria. Uh-huh. You're traveling in Cairo's on the Grand Tour. This is not a trip for pleasure. I'm looking for someone. Well, if his name is Alex Zarko, you've got lots of company. No, his name is not Alex Zarko. It is Paul Marr, and he is my husband. Paul Marr? I don't know anyone by that name. You may not know him by his name, Mr. Jordan, but I'm positive that you have met him. And how do you figure that? Paul said he had some business in Cairo. He left Damascus four days ago with a man whose name I do not know. But he was the same man who left the tambourine with you earlier tonight. It is my belief that he took you to see Paul. Oh, I get it. I tried, but I was not able to follow you through the streets of Cairo, so I've waited outside your cafe till you returned. I must see Paul. Would you take me to him? Nope. <sighs> Would you tell me, then, where he is? Mr. Jordan, Paul's business, as he calls it, it is, it is trouble. Some terrible sort of trouble, I know. Oh, you're right there. He's a fine man, Mr. Jordan. A wonderful man, but things have not gone well since his face... 
He's in trouble, and I've got to help him. He's got a revenge on, lady, with a guy named Zarko and me. There's nothing fine about that. Revenge? Paul? Oh, no, it, it must be something else. He's not that kind of man. Well, then you don't know him very well. It is true. We have not been married for long. Uh-huh. Look, why don't you just go back to Damascus and forget it? You're in for trouble here. Something's going to happen. Where is Paul, Mr. Jordan? A place called the House of Sand. Out of the city, through the gate of the Bar El Nazar. Taxi will take you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Jordan. I shall not forget the help you've given me. She walked out of the tambourine, and I hoped that that would be the last I'd see of her and the man from Damascus and Alex Zargo. How vain can your hopes be sometimes? Well, we rolled the last on-the-cuff customer out of the tam about 1.15 in the morning. Chris threw the lock on the front door, and I doused the lights. I'll just scoot out the back way, Rocky. Oh, all right, Chris. Good night. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Rocky, look out! Find the garbage cans, quick! Vengeance, Jordan! Vengeance! Rocky. You hear me, Jordan? Quiet, Chris. Well, if you do and you are not dead, then I will come for you again! listening to The Man from Damascus, an adventure with Rocky Jordan. Remember that five o'clock Sunday afternoon is the new time for Rocky Jordan, so join us each Sunday at five. And plan to tune in 30 minutes earlier to hear Call the Police at 4.30, so you will have a full hour of excitement and action. And now we take you back to Cairo for another adventure with Rocky Jordan, the man from Damascus. Well, after the man from Damascus threw those slugs at me, I took out after him, chasing him through the darkened streets. But it's easy to lose someone in the winding Cairo streets, and that's just what I did. I get back to the cafe tambourine about 45 minutes later, and Chris wasn't there alone. Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo police, was there, too, waiting for me. Well, Jordan, so you've returned. Oh, hiya, Sam. Brings you here this time of night. I phoned him, Rock. I told him. I thought you'd be better. Uh, all right, Chris. Uh, see you tomorrow. Sure. Uh, good night, Captain. Uh, good night. Well, Jordan, I'm waiting. Waiting? For what, Sam? For you to tell me what this is all about. There's nothing to say. Jordan, the man who shot at you from the alley called out vengeance. This much Chris told me. Therefore, I can assume that this man is after you for some hurt he believes you have inflicted upon him. Uh, it's close. What is it that you have done to him, Jordan? Beats me, Sam. Jordan, how can you expect me to I believe... Tell you, Sam, I don't know. Then I shall let that pass. Jordan, who is this man who shot at you? I'm afraid that's my business. I'll just handle it my own way. Jordan, Oh, I... stop worrying about it. You got your hands full with Alex Zarko. Oh, fear not. We will capture Alex Zarko. Tell me, has Zarko something to do with this shooting? If you mean did he throw those slugs at me, no. I meant exactly what I said. Does Zarko have anything to do with the shooting? Maybe. Oh, Jordan, you, you are most exasperating. Oh, just a little trick I picked up in my travels. Very well, very well. I cannot force you to speak. However, I wish to warn you that if someone else is injured, some innocent party drawn into this private conflict of yours, 
I shall hold you responsible. Oh, thanks, Sam. That's swell of him. No one will get hurt, believe me. Except maybe that friend of mine. For your sake, I hope you are right. I would not wish to use my office, Jordan, to have you expelled from Cairo. I started out bright and early the next morning to see if I could find the man from Damascus. Stop number one was the house of sand, room 12. I pounded on the door, no answer. I rattled the doorknob and the door came open. I went in. I could see why no one had bothered to throw the lock. The room was empty. Paul Marr, the man from Damascus, had done a quick checkout. I moved down to the front desk to see if I could get a forwarding address. Sitting in a rocking chair, rolling back and forth, was a wrinkled relic left over from the days of the pharaohs. A chortling sound was coming from her throat, and then I saw why. She was reading a U.S. comic book called The Phantom Menace. A lady... A lady, you got a customer. Oh, young man, you are observing an old lady being devoured by pleasure. Well, I'm certainly glad you're having fun, but could you give me a minute? Oh, the Phantom Menace has captured Brick Braun, thrust him in wire... And is dipping him head first into a barrel of pickle brine 100 times. Very fun. I'm being consumed with joy. Well, if you can grab hold of yourself for a minute, you can earn a pound note. My laughter has suddenly left me. Oh, fine. Look, I'm trying to get a forwarding address on number 12. That would be a short, fat man with a bald spot. A seller of fly paper. That'd be a big man with bandages on his face. A seller of death. Death comes higher than flypaper. Could you make it two pounds? I could. Uh, alas, now that I find a fortune at my fingertips, I cannot claim it. What does that mean? I do not know where your friend has gone. And indeed, you are not the only one who is seeking him. A young lady came this morning. She said she was his wife. Uh, where'd she go? I gave her room ten. She said she would wait to see if her husband returned. If you wish to see her, I can call no, her. No, no, no. What time did number 12 leave? Six this morning. How? By taxi. I called one. Do you know the driver? Do I know him? A kelpie. No good evil dog. Well, has he got a name? Hali Amart. Residence 303 Sharia Shaman. It is worth two pounds just to mention his name. Ah, uh, here. Keep it. And thanks. Oh. Go on back to your reading. <laughs> Shall I shall once again bait in ecstasy. And she did. I left her sitting there, wetting the pages, and looked up Holly Amar. Cost me two more pounds to open him up. And all he could say was that he left Mar off at an all-night dive called the Harem. So that was my next stop. A couple of hundred pounds of fat was pushing a wet rag over the counter in slow motion. A red-headed Englishman, deep in his cups, was throwing darts at a picture of a dame short of clothes. What I was looking at was a guy at the end of the bar tilling a bottle of beer. It was the knife man who had first taken me to see Paul Marr. I moved his way, but he saw me and lit out for the back door. I took out after him fast like the super chief on a downgrade. He took me through the backyard, over a fence, across an empty lot. But I put a stop to the marathon with a flying tackle and we rolled into a mud hole. He reached for his knife, but I need him and the fight started to go out of him. All right, where is he? You know who that Damascus friend of yours, Paul Marr. How did you know his name? That doesn't matter. What I want now is his address. Do not worry, Jordan. He will come to you. Well, I can't wait. Now give it. My, my throne, your knee. The address? I cannot tell. We'll try a face full of mud. 
All right. All right, I tell. 1042 Sharayev Akar. A small hotel by the name of Little Nile. Uh, okay. I'm going to put you on ice at the tambourine. Chris will take care of you till I have a chance to talk to your boss alone. The Little Nile was a termite trap on Sharayev Akar, and Mar was holed up second floor back. I stood in front of his door a few minutes later, listening, trying to catch any sounds from inside. I didn't hear a thing. I tried the doorknob easily. The door was locked. So I took a deep breath, kicked at it, and all the rotten wood gave way. First thing I saw in the darkened room was the figure sitting in a chair across the room facing the door. The second thing I saw were the bandages around his face. So I knew it was Paul Marr. And the third thing I saw was the Italian-made gun in his hand, pointing toward me. What has kept you so long, Jordan? All right. Sorry, I didn't know you were waiting. I would not advance toward me any more steps, Jordan. That is wise. Well, you have come. I had assumed that if I did not kill you last night, you would come to me. It saved me parading my conspicuous appearance through the Cairo streets. So you have found me. But unfortunately, I have the gun. You're not going to kill me here, Mar. Sabaya knows you're after me. You'll never get out of the city with those bandages. You may be right, Jordan. Perhaps I will not kill you. My original proposition still holds. Bring Alex Zarko to me and our little difference shall be forgotten. I've forgotten it already. Jordan, I want Zarko. I want him more than I want you or anything else. Bring Ma. him to... Sandra's in town. Sandra? Your wife. She's in Cairo looking for you. She's at the House of Sand right now, waiting for you to come back. No. I saw her. She came to me to ask about you. You know, she thinks a lot of you. She doesn't believe you're the kind of a guy to have a vendetta on. She doesn't believe you could kill me or Zarko, regardless of what he did to your face. Stop it, Jordan. Do not unnerve me. And do not attempt to change the subject. I want Zarko even more than you. I will let you go if you help me. Here. I shall show you my good faith by throwing my gun into the corner. That was a mistake, Mar. You know I can't help you. I told you once already, and that still goes. I'm not butting into a private feud. But I am, Jordan. Sam. Well, you get around, don't you? I know you well enough, Jordan, to realize that you would not allow someone to shoot at you and then forget it. So when you would not tell me who had done it, I knew, too, that if I followed you long enough, you would lead me to him. You always do. Look, Sam, this is a private thing between Mar and I myself. I have told you once, Jordan, violence is not a private matter. I will not allow killing if I can help it. And I will not allow you, Jordan, or Mr. Mar to interfere with the police capture of Alex Zarko. Then you haven't got him yet, eh? No, but I shall have him in time. Mr. Mar shall not. Mr. Mar, you will please remove the bandages from your face. What? I said that you will please remove your bandages. Better do it. Sam's not kidding. Very well. Very well, then I shall remove my bandages. I shall step into the light, gentlemen, so that you may see all, so that you may see what was once a face. I watched Paul Marr unwind the bandages, uncovering first what once was a chin, then the battered skin around the cheeks. Bab, oh, just do what I tell you and you'll be well paid. I'll go to my room and get my bag. All my money's in it. You'll get, you get that cab and have it waiting around the corner, and I'll meet you there. And I'll pay you well, very well, do you understand? Uh, yes, sir. Well, then go on. Go on. Well, 
Are you all right, Mr. Mansfield? Yes. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm all right. It's not a bad cut. The bleeding has stopped. He can take better care of it later. Yeah. Good. Now we have our work cut upwards. But what are you doing out here? Why aren't you in there with her? It's all right. She thinks I'm getting her a taxi cab. She's really determined to leave, isn't she? Yes. Where is she now? What is she doing? She's gone to her room for her bag. I oh. don't know how long she'll wait while I'm supposed to be getting her a taxi cab. Now, look, it's almost ten to ten. We've got to work fast. Yes, we do, or the whole thing is going to boomerang. Well, we all know what we've got to do. Just a question of all of us doing our parts. I mean all of us. Yes, I... I know what you mean. I've done my best, haven't I? Yes, so far. But the worst part is still to come. Why does it have to be this way? I keep hoping something else will happen. It's really too late to think about other ways now. I don't have any other ideas, but... Isn't there... Are you sure this is the only way? Can you think of any other way, Mr. Mansfield? No. No, of, of course I can't. I... I just wish that we could stop short well, of... we can't. Now, let's make sure everything is ready. I've got the blanket. Now, uh, this is the right kind. Jane was to see Paul Marr climb on the train for Alexandria and hope he could straighten himself out. And hope, too, that he and his wife, Sandra, would get together. Well, a little while later, I drove to the train station with Sam, still in police custody. There weren't many people there on the holiday afternoon. But standing near the end of the platform, next to a large sign of the flying red horse that accented his white bandages, was the man we were looking for, Paul Moore. Sam and I walked up to him, and he glared at us through the slits in his wrappings. Well, Mr. Moore, you will be leaving Cairo in a few moments. Uh, if after a year has passed you wish to return to our city, write me a letter explaining your reasons, and I shall see what can be done to make Cairo available to you once more. Moore nodded, climbed on the train, and had headed out of the city. Sam and I turned and started back to his car. That's when it hit me. I took off in double time. Joseph, where are you going? For a train ride. I think you better come along. I chased down the platform and caught the train. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see Sam climb onto the train farther down the line. Then I started through the cars, going from one to another, looking for the man in bandages. I traveled through four cars before I finally spotted him. When he saw me, I guess he figured what I had on my mind, because he took off fast going the other way, but I kept right after him. The train had picked up speed, lurching us from side to side. Then going around a bend, the momentum pinned him momentarily against a seat, and I was on him. His fist started working, and so did mine. We had ourselves a fine little fight there, rolling around the floor of the moving train, till Sam Sabaya caught up with us and pulled a gun. That put a quick stop to the fight. George, you will please explain what the meaning of this is. Sure. Glad to, Sam. Have him take off his bandages. But, George, and I... I Have him take understand. off the bandages, and I think you will. Very well. You will please remove the bandages... Mr. Marr. Ah, take them off, buddy, or I'll take them off for you. Yeah. That's his stuff. Now, just a little more. Let Sam see who you really are. Well, there you are, Sam. Not Paul Marr at all, but the guy you've been looking for for weeks. The guy who's been trying to escape your dragnet and get out of the city. Meet Alex Zarko. Well, the thing came apart at the seams. It was all an elaborate plan of Zarko's. The police had him trapped in the city, needed a way out. So he got his knife man to dig up Paul Marr in Damascus and bring him to town. Then he had Marr, all wrapped up in bandages, create a fuss like his revenge against me, which was strictly a phony. Nothing too serious, just enough to get himself run out of Cairo. 
Then Zarko takes his place, wraps himself in the bandages, and starts to leave, almost with a police escort. It would have worked fine, except for one thing. Mars disfigured face and his left eye that couldn't blink. Zarko couldn't control his, and standing on the platform of the train station, he blinked his eye once. And that was once too often. Well, all that remained was Paul Marr, his face, and Sandra. And later, in Sabaya's office, we got to talking about that. Jordan, where do you suppose Paul Marr is now? In the House of Sand. I told him Sandra was there waiting for him. You realize, of course, that I must send some men to apprehend him. Here. Yeah. Why do you suppose he allowed himself to aid Alex Zarko? Put yourself in his place. Face like his and a lot of desperation. He was working a business deal, getting money any way he could, figuring he'd use the dough in a plastic surgery job. It'd make him look like a, a human being again. Yes, quite so. You understand Ma will have a jail sentence to serve for aiding a criminal. Mm-hmm. And it may be possible for me to confiscate the money Zarko gave him. Sure, if you worked on it, you could possibly take the dough from him. That is, if you don't forget that he's got... Are you suggesting, Jordan, that I deliberately allow myself to forget that a financial arrangement uh, existed between Mar and Zarko? That's right, Sam. Jordan, I have always suspected you are an unscrupulous man. <laughs> sure I am. Remember the time I tried to sell that Monte Carlo swindler a half-interest in the tombs of Memlux? <laughs> Remember? No, no, I, I guess I've forgotten. Perhaps I am getting old. My memory is not what it used to be. Thanks, Sam. See you soon. It's CBS again at the same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Rocky Jordan, starring Jack Moyles in the title role, is produced and directed by Cliff Powell with original music by Richard Arant. Tonight's story by Adrian Jandot and Larry Roman. Life with Luigi will be heard tonight at 8 over most of these stations. Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. (laughs) 